Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is 8 to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Well, 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 you know what time it is. You hear that song and you know it's time for the creative pep talk that you've been looking for all week. <laughs> right? Uh, I love that song. I don't know why. I just love it. Um, you know, grab yourself a coffee. I've got mine right here. Now, I'd like to take a little moment of silence for the death of the slurp. <sighs> you know, I was really conflicted about this. On past episodes, you can hear me taking a giant slurp of coffee. And um, you know what? I haven't been doing that as much. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because I had several people reach out and say that it grossed them out. <laughs> And you know what? I'm all for being authentic, and I like the slurp. You know, I got the the idea for leaving the slurp in um, after listening to an interview with Jerry Seinfeld where he said that he would call his good friend, and they would drink coffee over the phone, and they could hear each other slurping the coffee, and he really liked that, and I liked that. And I thought, you know what? I'm a coffee guy. Let the slurp just be on on tape. And um, But I'm not so authentic that I'm willing to let that ruin this for other people. So I'll still be drinking the coffee. I'm just going to I'm going to step away from the mic as I do it like this. This episode is supported by In the Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In the Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, it's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. 
some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, so it's still happening, just not going to be right up in your ear. So I'm sorry for those who are really going to miss it. I'm sure there's like five of you out there, uh, <laughs> but um, that's just the way it is. And um, you know what? I'm 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 moldable. I'm not. I don't have to be so authentic that it hurts people. Uh, well, you know what? This show, you know, it's brought to you by Illustration Age. You can hear this show. At illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. That partnership has been fantastic. I'm reaching a whole different audience and I really appreciate um, that. And I, and I, you know, it's a great website for illustration and, and pushing the, the illustration industry forward. Um, okay, today, I don't know if I've been a, this excited about an episode yet, but I am so pumped out of my mind to bring this episode to you. Um, it's the episode that I need to hear this week. Um, and usually those are the ones that I'm most passionate about. I'm giving my own, my own self, uh, creative pep talk, um, today and I need it. I need it. You know, yesterday, man, I was feeling a little bit depressed, you know, and, um, I started to think about why that was. And I realized that I was focusing on all of all these things that I have no control over, and I was letting those things get me down. And so today on the Creative Pop Pep Talk, we're going to have our own little uh, IA, Illustrators Anonymous. We're going to have, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, but I have had friends uh, who are, and they've taught me a lot about Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things that you hear them talk about is uh, the serenity prayer. And you've heard it before. And, you know, just like any cliche, anything you hear over and over, eventually it loses its meaning. It's not as nice and it's, you know, whatever. But it goes something like this. Grant me serenity to accept what I can't change, courage to change uh, what I can, and then wisdom to know what, what the difference between those two are. And today's episode is called Nothing Can Stop You. This is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. And I, I believe in this idea of doing what you can do in your power and not Focusing on the things that are completely out of your control. And I think that, um, you know, depression even is about focusing on the things that you have no control over. 
And I think in your career, it's so easy to put all of the weight on things that are out of your control. And we're going to talk about that today. And I've got eight things that no one can stop you from doing that will advance your illustration career. It will, it's, I think they're make or break things. I really do. And they're things that nobody else has to say yes to. And so today, that's the episode. Nothing can stop you. And no one can stop you from doing these things. Um, you know, I, I teach – one of the reasons I think about this a lot is I teach a self-promotion class at the Columbus College of Art and Design uh, for, for senior uh, year illustrators. And I, I've said it a bunch of times that I kind of define self-promotion in a weird way, but I, I define it as anything that you can do that no one can stop you doing by saying no. So anything that you have the power to do all on your own is what is viewed, in my opinion, as self-promotion. Those are the th- that, and, and that's the thing. All of the things that you can do to drive your career that nobody can say no to. That's your self-promotion. Uh, and, and I think it looks different than it ever has. And it's actually a great time to exist as an artist, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think it's so easy to sit around and make excuses for why things aren't going the way that you want them to go. If I only had X amount of followers, if I only had that illustration agent, if I only had uh, this client, if I only had that famous uncle who could get me that sweet job with Nike or whatever it is. You know, we it's so easy to sit around and look at all the things out of your control and say those are the things that are keeping you from a fulfilling career in design, illustration, or art. It's so easy to do that. And I think that that's that right there is the key to an unsuccessful career. I think that you need vision not to manipulate other people. You need vision about how you want things to look. I believe that. I believe you need to have that. But I don't think but I but what I think you need to do is create and make and do things in your own power with intention. Not manipulation, not to go manipulate other people's free will and make them do what you want them to do, to follow you or to give you a job or to whatever. No, you need to create with an intention, but you don't need to have a vision to manipulate people. All right, so here we go. We're going to get into the list. Number one, finish your plate. All right, okay. (laughs) Finish your plate. This is... Uh, this is such a big lesson for me. And let me just put a disclaimer. I do all of these eight things, but they're all things that I forget to do all the time. I always find myself focusing on the things that I have no control over. And I'm, and when I remember these things, it's almost always like a eureka moment. Like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing these things. Instead of being depressed, I should be focusing that energy on doing, being proactive on these things. So one of the things, one of my, probably the top thing that I forget the most is finish your plate. Finish your plate. If, you're, if the universe was your dad, 
and he made you dinner. And he gave it to you, and you've got some, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff on the plate. And you finish the stuff that's the tastiest. You eat the french fries, and you leave the peas. You, when, if you do that, and then you say, I want more fries, the universe is going to slap you in the face and say, finish your plate. I get this analogy from my own daughter. She's a six-year-old girl. She will – I'll give her her food. We'll serve her dinner. She'll eat her favorite thing on the plate and then ask for more of it. And then I say every night, eat the rest of your food and then maybe you can have seconds of that. But you're not going to get two helpings of the least healthy thing on your, on your plate before you've eaten your vegetables, right? And I feel like you, you know, you're feeling depressed – you want more. I want more. I want more. But you've got a list of things to do right now on your plate that still need to be done. And actually, uh, I hate to get biblical on you, but there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a phrase that comes from the Bible that says, if you're faithful with a little bit, more will come your way. And I just think that that's so true. It's just a practical truth. Whether you're spiritual or not, doesn't matter. It's a, it's a practical truth is that when, when you've got all this stuff on your plate and you're sitting around thinking about all the stuff you, you need uh, more, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. So often I find myself like an employee uh, drowning in the work that he's been given while – Going to the boss and saying, Ugh, can I have some more work? And I just think what you have to do is instead of worrying about, oh, I wish I had more editorial jobs. I wish I had that big job come in. I wish I, you know, someone would let me do this book or do that thing, whatever. Instead of focusing all that energy on that, write out your list and make it disappear. Cross everything off the list. Then, then think about what you would like more. I think that there's nothing more uh, liberating than finishing what's already on your plate. And honestly, you can get weird about it if you want to get weird. How many times have I been dreading doing that last thing on the list only to cross it off and then instantly get another job in my inbox that's, that I'm excited about? right? You got to eat your vegetables. You got to finish your plate. That's one thing. Nobody can stop you from finishing your plate. You can't force someone to give you more. You can't force someone to give you your, an extra helping of your favorites, but you can finish what's on your plate. And I think when you do that, you're, it often works out. But if you spend your time sitting around being depressed because you still, because you still don't have more of that stuff that you want, you're not going to get anywhere. All right. That's number one. Number two, self-generated projects. I'm going to do a whole episode on that. Uh, actually, my friend Andrew Nyer and I are hoping to bring our Color Me Blank show. It's, it's, a, it's a show where we draw a giant mural uh, with, with black paint markers, and we let the public come in and paint it with colored giant five-and-a-half-foot giant markers uh, – and we're going we're gonna to take this lecture to a few different um, art schools about self-generated projects. So that was a self-generated project, and we both have uh, kind of made our, 
our way by, by self-generated projects. Um, and so I'm very passionate about it. I want to, I want to do a whole episode about it. Um, I've done a, a lot of self-generated projects myself, but I really believe that this is maybe the key to not letting anyone stop you from doing the thing that you want to do to, to, to having the career that you want to have. If you want to make kids books, Make an amazing kid's book. And if nobody will buy it, self-publish it and sell it. And don't self-publish it and, and you know, halfway do the job. Do an amazing job. You know, look at uh, Jolby. I, got, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Josh and Colby from Jolby uh, when I was in Portland last summer. They were really nice guys. They, they uh, you know, uh, we talked and, uh, you know, I, I just – really appreciate they they give me a bunch of encouragement about my stuff and vice versa and you know they had a book a kid's book that they wanted published i think nobody would 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 buy it um and so they did a kickstarter and self-published it and you know they went on to to illustrate other kids books for for publishers but they did such a good job they proved themselves and i think that today's age we're in the age of proving yourself and I think we love to talk about how the art world isn't a meritocracy, how it isn't about how good your work it is, you know, how, how good your work is. It's about who you know or getting lucky or all this stuff. And yeah, okay, it's not purely based on how good your work is maybe. That's true. But we've never lived in a time where if you made an amazing song, an amazing hands-down amazing song, and you put it online and, and it was truly amazing – you're going to have your – even your friends and family on Facebook sharing it with other people, right? And I think we live in a time where if you are amazing at what you do, something's going to come from that. Like it's it, – we don't live in that time where there was this genius that nobody's ever heard of. It, it doesn't happen like that as much as it used to, I don't think. And I think that – think about it like this, self-generated projects. I like to think of it like this. If you had two options – to buy a house from someone who had some sketches, who had done a few other building projects that were really unrelated to, buy, to building a house? Or would you buy a house from someone who has already built their own house and their own house looks amazing? Like who would you buy a house from? Would you buy a house from the guy – if you only had these two options, if you buy a house from the guy who has a few sketches, has really these ideas – about this kind of house that they want to build for you or are you going to build it from someone who's already built their own house and it's functioning and, it, and it's doing great and it's selling? That's – you know what? You can blame the art directors and the publishers and the editors and all these people, but that's the situation they're in. Do you want to buy from this person that's proven their stuff by people responding to their work to – you know? People on social media loving what they do, buying their self-generated stuff, or are you going to risk it on someone who seems like maybe they have a good idea? And when money is involved, people are risk-averse, and they're going to take the sure thing. And whether you like it or not, you know that's the way it is. And I think the best way to ensure that you're going to fulfill your 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 career and in the most successful you, I think, is to do your own projects. If you want – I might already said this. If you want to make skateboards, do a project. You don't even have to 
You don't even have to get them printed. Just do a project where you take the skateboard shape and do a new skateboard design every week and make a blog. Yeah, that's simple, and maybe that's too overdone at this point, but that's an example of how you could do that. Now, all of a sudden, you're the skateboard deck guy. You're so much more likely to have a skateboard deck company come to you and say, hey, we want to buy one of those, or we want you to make a custom one for us, than if you just have an illustration portfolio and you think, well, they can read between the lines. They can see that it'd be cool to put this on a deck. Just eliminate that part of the process. I think I'm so blown away by, you know, when I started, I thought, if you look at my portfolio and I do all of these bears, you assume I can draw a dog pretty well. But it just doesn't work like that. It's so much easier for them to hire someone who's drawn a thousand dogs, right? If you want to do work drawing people, draw people. If you want to do work making skateboards, make skateboards. If you want to do book covers, make a bunch of book covers. Prove yourself. Don't make them make that extra step. It, it takes a, uh, a, a risky, really talented uh, certain type of art director to hire someone to do something they've never touched before. And it might, and it might be a bad idea, you know? Uh, So self-generated projects. And you know what? The other cool thing about a self-generated project is it really helps you understand what you really want to do. Why? Because if you want to make kids books really bad, but you're not willing to just make one on your own, You might not really want it for the right reasons. You might want to make kids' books for the accolades. You you might want to make make it for the awards or the prestige, right? Because if you really wanted to do it because you just loved it because it was part of you and you're just going to die if you don't make it, you'd just make it. You'd feel great about just making it. And it's those self-generated projects where I realized I don't care enough about this to finish this project that I realized I don't even want to go in that direction at all. Because I'm going there for the wrong reasons. Okay. that And, and you know what? Just as a, a disclaimer, these eight things, I might get passionate about telling you like I'm telling you off or something. I'm telling myself, honestly. All of these things are things that I do, but they're also things that I struggle with or forget to do. And this, could, this, this creative pep talk is as much a pep talk for myself as it is for you. All right. Number three. Quit selling, start sharing, right? Okay. So, all right, everybody knows. You remember how pretty much everybody got into their favorite band in the same way, right? You know, I remember when I got into my my all-time favorite band, it was this amazing moment where – I'm opening my emails in the morning, and in my inbox is an email from Modest Mouse. And they said, they sent me this email, and it was this mass marketing email, and it said, uh, Andy, because they used the type of email where it self-generates the name, so it, it personalized it kind of to me. It said, Andy, you're going to love our new album. Click here to buy it on Bandcamp. It's going to blow your mind. And I clicked. I listened to the whole thing, and I've been buying every album since then. 
No, that is not how things work anymore. And maybe it never worked that way with the band, but things aren't like that anymore. They don't – people don't want to be sold. You didn't get into your favorite band because they sent you a free CD in the mail. You didn't get into your favorite band because they direct marketed you into your email. You got into your favorite band and it, you discovered your favorite band. There is the psychological uh, fulfillment that happens from discovering something, even though maybe that there's no like I didn't discover Modest Mouse, I didn't discover you know whatever my my favorite bands are. I, I didn't discover them really. But I had the artificial sensation of discovering them. By I walked into my Spanish class and the song was playing. My friend was playing it. Hey, Will Johnston. He was playing the song on through through the boombox. And I heard – I walked into a room and I heard it and it hit me. And no one was telling me, you should listen to this. Because if they did, I probably wouldn't want to listen to it. I just walked in and, it, and I just heard it. And, it. and it was this magic story for me. It's something I go back to and think about. That element of discovery, like don't take that away from the people discovering your work. When, as soon as you tell somebody to like your work, they won't like it. Like you, you've got to. You've got to quit thinking about selling your work and more about making it possible for people to discover your work. And how do you do that, right? You go out there and you become a part of the community that you want to be a part of online or in person. Go to the parties. Go to the events. Meet people. Go to art school. Go, go to the places where they, these people are and just be there. Just be there. Don't sell just be in those spaces. Make your work available to be found. That is so much more powerful than forcing, trying to manipulate. People don't want to be manipulated. Nobody wants to get, no one wants to be force fed art. Like, that is not how we want to interact with it. If you think about it like this in a practical terms, it's like, if you post a piece of work up and you say, you should pin this to your pin board, everyone's like, that I will never pin that to my pin board, ever. I'm not going to do that. I will do everything in my power. In fact, I'm going to tell other people, don't pin that because I can't, I don't, uh, you know, it's that react, reaction. Nobody wants to be force fed art by an art dictator. However, I think it's appropriate to go be on Pinterest. Go be pinning the stuff you like and then have a board for your work so that when people go check out your page, they can see your work and they can make a decision on whether they want to pin it. Now that's making yourself discoverable and that's sharing what you do and not selling it, not saying everything that you put up, you should pin this. That, that, I just think that that is not how people want to engage in art. And I think about, you know, your Dreams, My Nightmares podcast, the times he talked to an art director on there, he says, how do you find artists? And they almost never have an answer. You know why? Because when you find an artist that you love, 
it wasn't something you felt like either they sold you on or that you intentionally found. It was a moment, right? It wasn't it wasn't that and, and then and then he'll say, Well, what can they people do to be to for you to find them? And then they'll say, oh, the traditional methods. You can send them an email. You can send them a postcard and blah, blah, blah. And that, I'm not saying that stuff's wrong to do. But they never make the connection between the people they hire and the people that force feed them their work. And I just think we're, we've never been in it. And, and I think the reason is because it's easier to discover things than it's ever been. If you want to discover music, it's really easy now. Go on Spotify. Go find your favorite band. Then go look at the 15 related artists. And that is a more enjoyable experience, and it's and it's and it's the experience I think that you should be catering to in your work. Number four, be so good that they can't ignore you. This comes from a quote from Steve Martin, who constantly the comedian who kept getting uh, questions about how do you break into the into Hollywood, and his advice was, be so good that they can't ignore you. Now. Yeah, okay, you could still be ignored even if you're the best in the world. But I think nowadays if you're making amazing work and you're making sure that it's available in the channels for people to discover it, you're making yourself dis- easy to discover, you're go- it's going to work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. And I think the biggest thing that we do – I've talked about this before. There's a preacher down south called Andy Stanley. Uh and he, he – one of this quote that I heard him say one time, and I can't get it out of my head, is you, you can't plan on being the exception because that's not a plan. A plan is you making uh, steps based on facts, based on things that are the most likely to happen, based on the 98% rule or guideline, not the exception to the rule. You can't, you're, you can't have a financial plan to win the lottery. That's not a plan. So practically, this is what I think that looks like. You know, I feel like we look out into whatever industry and we think, you know who I'd like to be? That exception. I'd like to be that Cinderella where the fairy godmother came and instantly changed everything for her out of – no effort from that person, just out of the goodness, just someone recognizing how good I am, right? Like we so often look at that person. We rarely look at the best of the best and think, I'm going to be that person. As an example, let's get ridiculous and talk about hip-hop. I'm not a hip-hop genius. I don't even listen to that much hip-hop, but I don't know. I like it as a, an analogy. Uh, I think of like it's so rare that people point out Kendrick Lamar and say, I'd like to be the Kendrick Lamar of, of illustration. If you know Kendrick, you know he's the guy who is the person that's supposed to be bringing hip-hop, hip-hop back to, its, uh, uh, to the great days, uh, a, a purist. A, uh, he's, he's a rapper that – you know he, he's known as the best rapper out there. He wraps circles around the other competition. He's, he, you know, he's, he's blowing people's minds by how good of a lyricist he is. And he's so good, nobody can ignore him. No, I can't imagine living in a world where he was putting out rap out, out into the universe and people weren't going insane over it because he's just that good. But rather, I feel like we point to people like – and no offense, 2 Chains, 
If you're listening to this, Two Chains, I'm sorry, but I'm really assuming you're not going to. And you know what? You got your thing and you go, man. But I'm just going to use you as an example. Two Chains, we're like, I want to be Two Chains. I want to be this guy who, okay, he's maybe not the best lyricist. He's not, you know, his music's not the catchiest. He's just got a weird quality that people like. You know what? And Kanye signed him and now and put him on a bunch of tracks and he kind of got famous over that. Two Chains. And I'm not, okay, no offense, 2 Chains. you're not doing anything wrong. You're, you're, you know, you're obviously making a killing out there. But I feel like for myself and, and I think other people, they look at 2 Chains like, I could do that. I'll be that guy. I'll be the guy who gets the lucky break rather than I'll be the guy that works so hard that I'm the best and nobody can ignore my work. That's the stuff that you have the power to control. How good your work is is mostly based on the on how much effort and time and energy you pour into it. And if you plan on being the best, that's a plan. Maybe you can't be the best, but you could be the best at something, some part. So good that people are impressed by it, that they're excited by it, that they want to share, that they can't deny that it's good. Like that you can focus your energy on. You can't focus your energy on hoping that randomly Kanye hears something you did and kind of likes it for some random reason and puts you on a track. You know what I mean? <laughs> good hip-hop references. Uh, I don't know anything about hip-hop. It's like you're – it's like these people, you know, they're focusing on they, – they want to make records and they're focusing on the recording quality. Focus on the songwriting. Look at Iron and Wine. If you heard his, his first album, the recording quality is ridiculously poor. And yeah, okay, maybe it adds to the ambiance or whatever, but it's – the songs are so good, he wasn't ignored by the, the quality. And I heard some actors talking on a podcast and they said, you know, it's not your headshots. That's holding you back. It's your acting. And we get so obsessed with the website being perfect and our social media presence being good and this and that and all this stuff, all this auxiliary stuff. We've quit focusing on making awesome work. Make that your first priority rather than all this other stuff, all the, the headshots and the recording quality and the, all that stuff. Quit worrying about that. Write a good song. doesn't matter how you record it if it's that good. And eventually, it'll come. You write an amazing kid's book, like an amazing kid's book, and you put that and you print it and you make it yourself, maybe it'll take time to catch on. But if it's really, really good, people are going to share it. And that publisher is eventually going to see it one day. And they'll put it on that nice paper. And they'll, they'll distribute it to millions of people. Five. Retweet others as you would like to be retweeted. <laughs> that, that's another. <laughs> that's another phrase that uh, many um, uh, gurus and, and 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 spiritual teachers have have passed down. Retweet as you would like to be retweeted. <laughs> it's really do as do to others as you want to be done to you. You can't make someone retweet them. And if you try, they will hate you. Don't don't try to make someone retweet your work. Don't do that. People don't like that. People don't want to be manipulated or told what to do, right? But if you, you know, 
there was a time where I sat back and I I was aggravated because I felt like illustration had become a little bit less um, you know as things as it was apparent that the, the internet was filling up with illustrators. I felt like people were being less um, gracious with sharing people's work and, and getting excited about other people's work. And you know, I think I went on Twitter and complained about it like a fool. And um, I realized, you know, if if I feel like that, if I feel like that's the way things are, and I don't like it, uh, Matt, why don't I do something about it instead of complaining? Tina Roth Eisenberg. Uh, She's known as Swiss Mess Online. She does the Tatley Creative Mornings Studio Mates. Uh, She has this value that she says um, if she finds herself complaining over and over about the same thing, she makes a choice to either do something about it or stop complaining. And I think that this is the best uh, attitude. You know, if you want people to go out there and be sharing each other's work and and, and being – uh, gracious with their compliments and, and and liking stuff. Go out and do all that stuff. Go out and affect the culture. Make that part of the culture. And, and and when it comes to doing unto others as you want done to you, you don't want someone to inauthentically retweet or like your status or your work or share your work or whatever. You don't want someone to do it because you because you know you don't want someone retweeting you because you because. They want you to retweet them, right? That's that's not what you want done unto you. You want people to authentically do that. When they really like what you've got going on, you want them to say so. And when you really like what someone else has going on, say so. Encourage them. Tell them you love what's going on instead of being bummed because nobody's checking out your stuff. Check out someone else's stuff. Share someone else. That's how I think you can affect positive change and, and, and influence the, the culture in a way that you that you want it to. You know, I think of uh, that stupid, uh, <laughs> ridiculous cultural phenomenon of the, the Starbucks chain of people paying for each other. You know, it's like you have that impact. When someone pays for your coffee, it's, it's this idea that in the drive-thru where someone pays for the person behind them and then that person pays for the person behind them. You know, they've had that happen for like a whole day, like a chain, unbroken chain of people paying for the person behind them, which whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to think of that, ridiculous. But you have that, you can, you can do that for others, what you want done for you. You can, you can affect the culture positively in that way. So when I find, when I come, come across an illustrator that I think, is amazing and I've never seen them before. I try to talk about them. I try to share it on Twitter. I try to go out of my way to make their day because I know when someone does that to me, it feels awesome. And I, and I don't, and I don't do it inauthentically. I do it when I really have a strong connection with something, but I try to go out of my way. If I see an illustration on Instagram that I think is amazing, I try to say so, you know, and I think you have so much power, so much more power than you think. By just doing the things that you believe in. You know, uh, I recently heard, I think on the Invisibilia podcast, uh, this idea that, you know, if you go in an elevator and everybody's facing the back of the elevator, you're going to face the back of the elevator, even though that makes no sense. Like if someone pranked you like that, you're going to do that because we influence each other in such strong ways. Um, 
And I think if you just go out there and you be the type of artist that you want other people to be or you be the type of uh, you know person on social media that you want other people to be, you, you are affecting more people than you think you are. All right. Whew. Number six. See change as opportunity instead of threat. So recently I found myself, you know, I told you I was kind of in a funk yesterday. And I've had, you know, I've been kind of in and out of a funk kind of for a week or so. And one of the things that's just been really getting to me is this cynicism and negativity as I get older. Um, you know, I'm surrounded by people, more often surrounded by people uh, as you leave school and you get older and you get into people that have experienced some life and have a reason to be cynical about stuff. You know, you get surrounded by that cynicism. And I just see it all the time online and in person, the cynicism about the illustration world. What's happening? We can't get enough money for an editorial anymore. You can't make a living doing that. You can't do this. Oh, this thing's gone. That thing changed. And here's – I think you can either be Metallica or Radiohead when it comes to change, right? You can be Metallica. You know why Metallica – is in Washington trying to punish their fans for downloading their music free. Radiohead is making more money on their album than they've ever made by allowing people to pay what they want and download their their record on their on their com- on their site. You can either be Metallica who's sitting around pontificating about the way things used to be and how things are changing and the illustration industry and the design industry is going to hell and you know we we got to fix things we got to make all these guidelines look i'm 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 really grateful for those who are out there fighting for the in my industry and fighting for the best payments out there and getting getting the the right uh system in place you know i'm 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 so grateful that we that we have those people fighting for us but i think if you spend too much time clinging on to the way that the illustration was 10 years ago or it was five years ago, or if it was 20 years ago, you, or, or, or design, if you sit around worrying about that stuff, you're going to be missing the opportunity to do what's awesome now. It's like, yeah, things were crazy back then, but – and maybe there's not enough money in editorial print, okay? Maybe it used to be you could make a living doing that, but look what's happening now. Like look at what – you know. I'm always saying, yeah, it used to be if the gatekeeper let you let you in, you know, there was a few illustrators, they made it and it was awesome for them and they were making great money. And you know what? That was awesome and I'm happy that that existed. But I think now is the age of the the blue collar artist. I think there's never been a time in in history where you could make a humble living as an artist. Um, as if you worked hard and you put in effort, you know, and, and so I think more people are making a full-time wage on art than they ever have in, in the existence. And I, I celebrate that. If it means I make a little bit less than, 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 than I would have 15 years ago, I'm okay with that. If that means a guy down the street can also make a living on art, you know, I'm not suffering. Uh, and, and I think, you can say, yeah, well, the print media thing, you know, it's not working as well as it used to or we're not getting the fees that we used to get. Yeah, okay, that's not great. And, and, and you know what? There's some change that needs to be had there. I'm not denying that. And, you know, I don't – this isn't a, a, 
something that says quit whining about fees. I think that you know there are some there are some structures that aren't working, but the the internet has made it so our culture has never been more uh, interested in visual art. You know, the internet every day becomes more and more about pictures and less about words. That's an amazing time to be an illustrator. And it's the people the people that figure out how to monetize that, how to make a living on that new hunger for images, those are the people that are going to be the radio head. Those are the people that are going to be the Uncle Ricos, right? You know, while you were out there playing patty cake with your friend Pedro, Uncle Rico's making 120 bucks, <laughs> right? You know, I, and I, that's my thing. I think you've got to stay in that positive zone, seeing that opportunity, seeing that change is opportunity, not a threat. And I think the day you sit back and you say, well, things are going bad. I'm done cashing in my chips because it's just not good anymore. Is that's the day it's over. It is over. Cash in your chips. But there's going to be someone coming right behind you who's going to figure out how to make it work. Number seven, know the difference between your to-do list and your wish list. Your to-do list is anything that you have the power to do before without anybody saying yes to. Like, I want to publish a book this year. You can do that on your own now. I want to get some t-shirts printed. I want to do t-shirt design. We'll do some. Nobody's stopping you. You don't have to wait for somebody to ask you. That's the difference between I want to get a published book by a major publisher this year. That can be your wish. I actually believe in this idea of, uh, I don't believe in it in some, well, maybe I do. I don't know. (laughs) I don't believe in, I don't necessarily believe in a weird way. I think it can be a very practical thing, but this visualization idea, you know, uh, I love this story, even though, okay, you know, it's a bit ridiculous. Jim Carrey, you know, at some point wrote himself a check for $10 million and said, you know, I I want, I want to get paid this amount of money to, to do a, a role in a movie. And a few years later, that's what he got paid to do Dumb and Dumber. And he could cash that check that he wrote for himself. Visualization or not, whatever. If you want to get weird about it, get weird. I try to stay in the middle. I don't get too weird. I like to be both practical and impractical. But I believe it's important to have a vision for the kinds of things that you would like to happen. I think even if it just prepares you to be on the lookout for the right opportunities and gives you clarity about the direction in which your intention is going, even if it's just that, but maybe it's more, I don't know, but I think it's important to have a wish list, but I don't think it's, I think it's important to make a wish list and then stuff it in the back of your pocket and then forget about it. You know, I might've said this before, uh, when I was in college, uh, I had a magazine, a German magazine, actually do an interview with me, and they asked me what I wanted to do in the future, and I forgot, I forgot about that, oh, in the near future, the next things I wanted to do, and I went and found that magazine later, and I, uh, years later, and I had forgotten that I'd even answer those questions, and I realized that everything that I wanted to achieve on that list, it was a wish list, um, I'd done, and that's not an arrogant thing. They were really small, silly things like do a t-shirt design, you know, so, you know, stuff like that, get, get t-shirt, uh, uh, you know, do a design for a t-shirt that actually gets printed on t-shirts that it was those kinds of things. It was small things, but I realized I'd done all of the things that I said that I wanted to do 
And when I'd said them, I'd said these wishes, I didn't know if they would ever come true. I didn't know if they would ever happen. And so I think the wish list, make it, stuff it in the back of your pocket, forget about it. Come back to it years later and it will be really satisfying for the amount of things that you've done. But focus on the things that you can do on your own. And I think a good differentiator is make the peasant list to-do list, not a dictator to-do list. A dictator can make a to-do list which involves all other people acting with their free will in accordance with what you tell them to do because you can make them. A peasant is limited. They can only do uh, you know, a few things that they have the power to do. And I think if you approach your focus on that kind of list, that you're going to be – it's first of all, just you're going to be happier because you're going to focus on all the things that you can do and you're going to go do them and you're going to feel like you've achieved something rather than focusing on that wish list all the time and thinking, ugh. I wanted to work for that client five years ago, and it still hasn't worked out. I've tried to manipulate them. I've sent their art director 50 things. They don't even reply to my emails. Everything sucks. Focus on your to-do list, not your wish list. Last one, number eight, be resilient. I'm not resilient by nature. I'm not what you call uh, tough-minded by nature. I've I've become tougher over the years, but I – it's not my nature. My nature is kind of be whiny, complain, all that kind of stupid stuff. That's kind of what I'm naturally like. Uh, but I've learned resilience by my passion. So I'm so passionate about being an artist that I've learned to be resilient. So early on in my career, you're get, when you start something, you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that come along and they're going to tell you why you shouldn't do it. You know what? They're keeping their their castle, this thing that they're a part of, they're keeping it uh, – they're fighting you. This is their castle. If you want to be a designer and you want to be an awesome designer, there are people who have it in their mind that see you as competition, and they're going to try to keep you out of the gate. And early on when I started out, I felt like I had some pretty big attacks, people trying to say, you need to stop. Your, you know, your work's like this. It's not good enough. It's, you know, oh, you're just like this thing. You're, I had people even personally say, I had a guy tell me, you know, you know when I, uh, you know, I'd hire you when I, when I, when I want some. Uh, he, he, it was a backhanded comment. I don't. I'm not even going to say what he said, but say he said something like, you know, if I want something stupid and meaningless made, I'll go to you. And. It's that kind of stuff where at first it was tripping me up and I was like, man, I got to get out of this. I, I, I can't take it. I can't take all of those attacks on, on, on my – even on my personal moral character. You know, I tried very hard to stay true to my values, but I got attacked in that way and it really hurt me. And a few years in, I just realized this phrase came to my head and it gave me a lot of power and courage and it was, I'm not going anywhere. You know, in the design illustration world, online especially, people come and go. Think back five years ago to the artists that you were into. Where are they? There's, there's so many of them. They come and go. Where do they go? I don't know. But they, they do. They come and go. And you know what? I saw that happening. And early on, after I've been you know, kind of defeated here and there, I realized there was something in me that said, I'm not going anywhere. And in 10 years, you're still going to see my name. Not, not out of an ego thing, but out of, I'm not giving up. I, th- I want this thing, and I'm going to be around. And you can 
You can try to bully me to leave, but I'm not going to leave. And I think that's one thing you can set your mind to and you can say, look, this thing that I want, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep bringing it until it works. And when it works, I'm going to keep working hard and be around. And I think that for whatever reason, that that phrase just kind of inflamed me to work hard and to be to be resilient. And just I realized I'm not going anywhere. You might not like my work. You might think that I suck right now, but one day I'm not going to suck, and I'm going to and I'm going to keep coming. And I'm going to keep getting better. I think if you looked at my work when I graduated to what I'm doing now, I hope you're. I hope people are surprised by how far I've come. Is my work the best thing ever? Absolutely not. There's all kinds of ways that it's it's you know it needs tons of you know whatever. But I'm not going anywhere. And I think having that attitude, that's something that's in your power. They can't make you leave the game. And they'll try. You know, I, I feel like being as good as you can be, doing the things that you can do on your own. You know, I feel like sometimes, um, you know, my work can be – it's kind of deceptively simple. You know, um, I work so hard on – Figuring out the ways to draw in simple ways that look really good. And I think sometimes that can cause my students or other people to think Andy's just lucky. And you know what? There's sometimes I have been lucky. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that's not true. You know, there've been lucky breaks that I've had that I can't explain. But at the same time, every day I'm trying to draw, you know, how do you draw a circle with legs that looks amazing? And you'd be surprised with the nuance of like doing the legs a certain way, doing this angle the right way, making the eyes in this position instead of that position, all of those things. I'm thinking about those things. And when the first time I drew a circle with legs is terrible compared to the way that I draw it now. And I, I love simple. And I, and I think it's a little bit deceptively simple. And it could be easy to look at the things that I've accomplished and think, I want to have that Cinderella thing. Where's Andy's fairy godmother? You know, when, when did that show up and just magically make things happen for him? But the truth is I work really hard to, to make better work, and I see progress in my own work. And I think it's so important, it's so important to put the focus on what can you do in your power. And if you focus on that, I really think nothing can stop you. So I hope that this has pumped you up and you are stoked to go out there and kick creative butts all over town. And uh, if you want to hear this online, you can listen to it on, on my website. If, you would, if you'd like to do it that way, andy-j-miller.com slash podcast. Or you can look at the amazing illustration website, illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Go check that out. There's great comments being made on there and, um, and, and good thoughts and discussions about the podcasts to you people who have been reviewing my podcast. I am so thrilled by it. I love it. Every time I see a new one, it, it really like warms my heart to see that. I, it means so much to me. And you know what? I haven't seen a lot of creative podcasts that have more reviews than they do episodes on a podcast. So I, that is amazing. Thank you so much that you feel so pumped about this, that you're going to go out there and, and review it um, to help other people find it. 
that I, I'm so grateful to, to all the people that keep sending me encouragement, keep telling me about how this is affecting them. And you know what? It's this podcast has been good for me, a place to just put my thoughts. And most of these podcasts, they're they're pep talks for myself. The best ones are the things that what when I go on there and I think, what podcast do I wish was on iTunes right now? That's the podcast I make. And when I do that, I think I make the best ones, my my favorite ones. And so I just really appreciate all the feedback. I really appreciate all the enthusiasm and the sharing of the show. Uh, I've a few of you out there. Um, I want to thank uh, Invisible Creature, the guys over there. They've been so enthusiastic about the show. And every time they tweet about it, my followers jump up by <laughs> a big exponential uh, thing. So I, I love you guys. You guys make amazing work. Um, and, and, and I hope that you guys keep enjoying the podcast. Uh, thanks for all the people that have been sending me emails and messages and tweets and Instagrams and all that stuff. Uh, I really appreciate it. I definitely feel like... By bearing my heart and passion for uh, helping creative people make a living, um, I feel like um, us sharing that pursuit uh, has just meant so much to me, this, this experience, and I hope that I get to do it for a long time, and I actually hope that it can turn into a lot of other things. You know, um, I'm spending about a half a day a week on this podcast right now, and I'd love to spend a little bit more time doing this sort of thing. Um, but I don't know how to do that without cutting back other projects. And so if you guys have ideas, you know, I have a book in mind that I want to write that um, I'm actually secretly working on something to do with this for a published book, but I can't really talk about that. Um, but I also wanted to do something a little bit more instant, maybe something like some kind of digital book, of some, digital publication of some kind um, about uh, about finding your master sword, which I can't use master sword because it's copyrighted or whatever, but something like that. Uh, if that's something that you think would be good, get, just send me an email. Um, and, and, and if there's any other kind of products or ways that I can expand the show that you have an idea for that would, that you would want, that would help you that, um, that, that would feel like a good extension of this, send me an email and tell me your ideas or something that you'd like. Um, I really appreciate it. And guys, until next week when we talk again, figure out ways to keep going and stay pepped up. Thanks.